here at home, it's been a year of wild extremes weather-wise. I want to bring in our meteorologist, Josh Holt. Now, Josh, rain records have certainly tumbled. Yeah, that's right, Sandra. The year coming to a close, and what a year it's been. Officially, the wettest year on record for Sydney itself. And those records go back to 1859. The city picking up over 2,500 millimetres, beating the previous record set in 1950 of 2,194 millimetres. That's audio from a Channel 10 weather report. And this is the latest episode of Climate Conversations. I am your host, Robert McLean. Climate Conversations is assembled here in Shepparton, in northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people. And I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. The new daily story that contains the Channel 10 weather report is headed warmer weather. Less rain is on the way as La Nina wanes. The story begins. Rain could ease across parts of eastern Australia in the coming weeks. With the Weather Bureau predicting La Nina is showing signs of declining in strength. University of Melbourne Senior Lecturer in Climate Science Dr Andrew King said this weakening La Nina influence meant the weather could be warmer. Much of the country will experience a warmer than average summer which is to be expected given climate changes causing the climate to warm, Dr King said. We usually have warmer than average summers now because our average was from the past, he said. Australia has warmed approximately 1.5 degrees Celsius since pre-industrial times, so we do have hotter summers than we used to. And now from the ABC News we hear. No greenhouse gas limits for Victoria's coal-fired power plants as Supreme Court rejects challenge. The story by Jared Whittaker says, Victoria's coal-fired power stations will not face new limits on how much greenhouse gas pollution they can emit after Supreme Court today rejected a challenge brought by an environmental group. The plaintiff, Environment Victoria, argued the state's environmental regulator had failed to properly consider climate change law when reviewing the operating licences of the state's three coal-fired power stations. Environment Victoria argued the Environment Protection Authority, EPA, had an obligation to impose limits on the amount of greenhouse gas pollution the plants could emit. Now from EcoWatch we hear, Arctic air brings dangerous coal to US. Could test Texas grid. The story begins... A bomb cyclone of Arctic air is descending on the lower 48 states, bringing with it life-threatening extreme cold, heavy snow and rain, and blizzard conditions. The National Weather Service office in Buffalo, New York, no stranger to extreme winter weather, described it as a once-in-a-generation winter storm. The coldest temperatures in decades will send wind chills as low as minus 70 degrees Fahrenheit in western Wyoming and the eastern seaboard will likely see its coldest Christmas since Taylor Swift was born. And from Michael West Media we hear, a tale of two cities. Jakarta is sinking, but funding for Indonesia's new capital has yet to surface. Jakarta is sinking up to 28 centimetres every year. This isn't just about climate change, many other factors are at play. As less than half the city's population has access to piped water, the legal extraction of groundwater has led to subsidence, some parts of Jakarta even sinking four metres over the past two decades. 
For Australians in Fremantle, Darwin, Cairns and other coastal towns listed as at risk from rising seas, the response of the authorities in Indonesia's capital has been a what-not-to-do guide. With 10.6 million people, plus the weight of their homes, offices, factories and roads, Jakarta is facing a double whammy. It's often swamped by rising in more turbulent ocean, while sinking into the mud of the Siliwang estuary. Major districts will soon be unlivable. About 40% of the 700 square kilometres metropolis is below sea level, turning streets into waterways every wet season. We go back to Michael West Media and we have a story from Zacharias Zummer. It's headed, Coal Keeper is Dead, but Chris Bowen's new energy scheme is secret, like Dan Andrews. The story begins. As Queensland Minister of Energy Mick Debrini proclaimed after recent meeting of the nation's energy minister, Angus Taylor and Scott Morrison's Coal Keeper is Dead. Like Coalkeeper, the government's new capacity investment scheme will underwrite dispatchable power to support the entry of more intermittent renewables into the grid. Unlike Coalkeeper, it will only support low-carbon dispatchable power like batteries and pumped hydro and therefore won't face accusations of propping up coal-fired power longer than it would otherwise exist. And now we go to a story from Apocalypse Soon. The story is headed, Fossil Fuel Villain of the Year, Shell CEO Ben Valbuden. The story begins, the climate crisis is not, unfortunately, the product of a few evil CEOs waking up every day and deciding to pour greenhouse gases into the atmosphere for profit. Its causes are structural and can be traced back through centuries of colonial plunder and imperial excess. That said, the top executives at the world's largest fossil fuel companies bear a grossly outsized responsibility for driving up emissions, polluting our politics and delaying action for decades. The world won't get back. They tend to be whiny jerks. Case in point, outgoing Shell chief, Ben Van Buden. Next, we take you to a story from The Atlantic. It's by Dan Schwartz. It's headed... The one group of people Americans actually trust on climate science. The story begins. The weatherman's striped tie is still snug on his neck as he starts an evening bath for his three kids, one of whom bolts naked from the bathroom and does a lap around the kitchen before running back, feet slapping on the hardwood floor. Okay, Shell Winkley says, walking into the kitchen where his wife is loading the dishwasher. I love you, he tells her. And then he walks outside to his grey Prius gets in and drives to the TV station. Dinner's over, back to work. Finally, we go to a story from Climate Home News. The story has the headline, Russia's invasion and Pakistan's floods to find 2022 in climate. In 2021, governments and corporations got drunk on net zero hype. 2022 was the year when the hangover kicked in and they started to grapple with what their promises meant and whether they're actually prepared to follow through. COP26 slogan of coal, car, cash and trees was replaced by COP27's Sober Together for Implementation. Russia's invasion of Ukraine sent fossil fuel prices soaring and governments scrambling to secure them 
in the short term while moving them off in the long term. Many pledges made in Glasgow slipped off the top of governments and CEO to-do lists. But the changing climate kept making the case for action, with large parts of Pakistan underwater and its people living for months by the side of the road. The case for loss and damage finance for climate victims finally became impossible to ignore. It's almost Christmas Eve and while nature never rests, I'm human and I need one. And so, although I'll keep my eye on what's happening in the climate world, you probably won't hear from me until after Christmas. So I wish you well and I trust 2023 will smile upon you and smile upon the world. We've reached the end of this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company and don't forget you'll find links to all those stories I've mentioned in the show notes. So until we talk again, please take care, stay safe and please be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. And that battle sometimes becomes somewhat worse over Christmas. For some reason, it exacerbates those problems. Anyway, please take care, stay safe, and if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share with your friends. So until we talk again, please take care.